You're listening to the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. And welcome everybody on a celebratory Thursday morning. We are so excited here in COVID County. Why? Because we are actually starting to become humans again and we are allowed out of our houses and uh, Chairman Dan is actually allowing us to go a little bit further than the five kilometres. We're up to 25 and some social gatherings are going to be happening. And my goodness me, I've already noticed the traffic. I don't know if I'm happy about that or otherwise. I'll probably be enjoying it for a day or two. But, folks, it's episode 25 and I'm always, as you know, I'm always excited because this is a very our area, I'm going to call it, that's dear to my heart. Today we're talking about what role can a mortgage manager play in our recovery. And it is all about recovery, friends. So let me start off, as always, with an intro. So my guest today joined the finance industry. You ready for this? 43 years ago. Goodness gracious me. He opened his first mortgage brokerage in the good old town of Ballarat, the Rat, in uh, known as Western District Finance Consultants back in 1984. Did that for a couple of years. Went on to Aussie Home Loans, kicking many goals, winning numerous state and national awards from 1996 to 1999. I would suggest probably cut his teeth there. Was the Wizard Victoria State Manager for two years, 201 to 203, was the owner of Yellow Brick Road. That's a finance mortgage uh, outlet retail and was national office number one and went on to win many awards in that time from 2010 to 2013. Now, a bit of uh, TV stuff here. Worked on the TV show Who Could Forget the, the Apprentice, also made famous by Donald J. Trump. So in 2011 appeared regularly on The Apprentice with personalities such as Shane Crawford, Jacinta Campbell and Julia Morris, amongst others. Went on to be the state manager at VOW, and that's a mortgage aggregation firm for 2013 to 2017. National sales manager at MLB, my local broker, 2017 to 2019, and is currently the national distribution manager for Tradies Finance. My guest is a qualified life coach, a registered and established real estate agent, and he runs what is known as the Roscoe Academy for Business Coaching, specialising in mortgage broking and real estate. And I absolutely love his philosophy. It's called train them, don't blame them. Roscoe, Ross Lawrence, and welcome to the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. Thank you, fabulous. Thank you very much indeed. Magnificent introduction. You like that? (laughs) Mate, it was cut, cut a bit short. Like I gave you uh, 15 pages of notes, but yes, that's I all right. It, that's all right. War and peace. It's not about <laughs> Tolstoy. And I did say off air to you, mate, if I read the whole thing, by the time I've read it, that'll yes. be our 35 minutes. And, and, mate, none of us are looking in the rearview mirror. We're all driving and heading forward. So we let's are go. going forwards, yep. absolutely. And that's really what today's about. Roscoe, uh, we've known each other a long time and I was previously a mortgage manager, but I reckon uh, most people in our audience don't know what a mortgage manager is and I think it's a great place Correct. to start today. So can you tell us in your words, what is a mortgage manager? Look, in... In a real simple term, a mortgage manager is a uh, an outpost that has its own range of products uh, that are they are sourced via genuine wholesale providers, and 
the mortgage manager is the lender. So a mortgage, we're not talking about a white label. So and I don't want to start using um, industry chatter, but there's a lot of groups out there that are selling products that are nothing more than a white label of another group's product. A genuine mortgage manager, we are the lender, we do the credit, we do the vows, we go and get the mortgage insurance, we get everything in play, and then we, more importantly, we manage the loan for the life of the loan. Yeah. So, yeah. so that gives us flexibility um, with our client, but more importantly, we are on the ground managing that client for the life of the loan. So there's no ringing one three hundred. I don't give a rat's or anything like that. So yeah, I like that, and I, it's going to lead into one of my questions. I'm going to ask you this one, Roscoe. How does a mortgage manager different differ from, say, a high street lender, a mainstream bank? Very simply, a mainstream bank creates a product suite to cover the entire market. So, so there's a product created. That product is the product that goes to market across the board and there's very little variation or flexibility. So, yeah. and, and unfortunately in life, as we know, one size does not fit all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's right. Like, and I use this as, I've used this little uh, story of the Model T Ford many times on this podcast. So I liken the mainstream bank to say, yeah, you can have everything you want or any colour you want as long as it's black. Correct. So you're, you're very limited in the choice. So in terms then for a mortgage manager, how do they go about getting their money? How do they raise capital for lending if they're not actually like a bank holding deposits? Okay, well, let's... Uh, let's um put myth number one to bed, banks do not use consumer deposits for lending or for mortgage lending. So banks, like <clears throat> any other organisation, they go and they get securitised funding packages and they bring that to market, they, they package their own product and then they distribute it through their various networks. So it is a myth to believe that, you know, John and Betty Smith's $5,000 savings account is actually used by a bank uh, to create a mortgage loan. Yeah. So, well. so we all use we all use securitised funding sources. So then why would a person go to a mortgage manager rather than the mainstream banks? Uh, look, freedom to workshop a file based on facts, uh, the ability to expedite a file, ability to communicate with us as a lender, and everyone's treated as a VIP, not just those who've got two or three or four million dollars worth of lending in play. Um, and we quite often we offer cheaper delivery rates as we don't have the massive overheads or we don't have to appease shareholders. And um, you mentioned before my Aussie Home Loans Day. Well, Aussie Home Loans and Wizard were the first real mortgage management platforms that Australia were introduced to. So both those groups came into market in the 1990s and they chugged along. But then when the GFC hit and securitised funding dried up because the, the investors didn't want to invest in um, property and loans, um, both, well, Aussie Home Loans then morphed into more a brokerage. So... Uh, and they lost that mantle of a uh, mortgage manager. Um, and those who may not have picked up the news earlier this week, Rams 
um, have now clearly identified they're going to rejig their mortgage management platform and they are removing their brokerage arm completely. So when a consumer goes into a RAM shop, they will get access to all the RAM's products and RAM's is a genuine mortgage manager. Yeah, okay. And, and I think I my experience, Roscoe, and having worked in the field for a number of years closely with you is I think it's much more a personal relationship. In fact, it goes back to the days of banking in years past when you'd go and you'd knew your bank manager, you'd sit down with them, you'd have a real personal relationship with them. And I think that's one of the beauties of mortgage management is it does facilitate real relationships that here's someone in your corner that has understood your requirements, you're not a number, and that they are there with you to support you through the challenges along your financial journey for the life of the loan. Yeah, look, and, and I'm not trying to knock my brethren at, uh, at the banks. who have got some great friends and magnificent colleagues that work in banks. The problem is, though, if John and Betty Smith walk into, you know, ABC Bank in sunny Frankston, um, unfortunately, the, the person behind the jump can only distribute um, their products and with the rules and regulations a large organisation has to have. Um, because they cannot let their staff or people run a mark and create product. So it's all done via product groups and product speculators and they create various products. So therefore, we've all heard horror stories where a client has gone into a bank, they want an investment strategy, you would have seen it over the years, and the bank's gone, that's a fantastic idea. When you've sold your existing property, come back to us and we'll do the new loan for it. But that might not be the correct procedure or the correct structure for that particular client. So therefore, let them keep that property and how do we package and structure the loan to allow them to keep what they've got and then add another one. And then we we can go into those uh, news agencies and buy all those books, and I've heard people say it, I think there's a book about how I bought 57 properties in the last five years. Um, try, the individual man and the woman in the street, try doing that, <laughs> working with a bank. Can't happen. No, um, that's no. why you need that. You need that ability to sit down, get the facts, let's create a game plan and let's put a program together. Yeah, I like that. And it really is, it, it to me, comes back to part of, I always talk about this, Roscoe, having your dream team in place, a really good broker slash mortgage manager works alongside you. As part of. And, in fact, I just did a post this morning on my LinkedIn and various social media platforms talking about being basically battle ready for 2021. Oh, and absolutely. the first thing I said is, Number one thing you've got to do before you talk to me or you talk to anyone else is go and see your broker, your mortgage manager, and understand your capacity. Get yes. your finance in place, starting with your home loan. Get that structured correctly. Then get a pre-approval to go and buy. Correct. So that you're ready to make an informed decision rather than go, oh, but I want to do something. And it's interesting because the market's really, really moving and we're already starting to see some of these regional areas that, you know, I talk about starting to boom. And Terry Ryder, my main mentor, 
often says, Phil, you people, that's what they've got to do first. Be able to jump by getting their finance sorted out first up, Roscoe. Now, I've got a question for you. I love to ask a few questions. Consumers, how do they differ? You see, the, the challenge is the mainstream banks have got these massive advertising budgets mm-hmm. and yep. they're everywhere. So how do consumers typically get in touch with a mortgage manager seeing that they don't have the sort of budgets that a mainstream bank would have? It's a $64 million question that we grapple with on a daily basis. Um, There is an old adage in life, and that is called word-of-mouth marketing. Um, And that that in its entirety is, I mean, we can do the odd Facebook and we can do this, we can that. We get messages out to our 1,200 followers or whatever it may be. But, But really the best marketing that I have ever seen in my life is word of mouth. So the only downside of that is then it becomes a, a slow grind as you slowly, but there's nothing wrong, you know, the hare and the tortoise springs to mind. Terry's 100% right. Get your structures correct and set up first, then go and find what it is you want to invest in and maintain, you know, and then stay on course. Now, um a lot of people then think to get a pre-approval or discuss something with someone could be fairly intrusive. Um, I've got a lot of clients who they ring and the first thing we do is I we do what we call the BC capacity, so we do a borrower's capacity, and that's a, a, a painless, give us the basic facts, we'll, we'll investigate your capacity, we'll come back and let you know what you can and can't do. And then we'll work with you in creating a game plan or a strategy. I think the the funny thing is in in life, Phil, is that you get your average 40-year-old consumer and hand on heart they will openly admit they're not 110% happy with their current financial position. But then when you the next question is to say, well, what are you doing about it? They go, no idea. They don't know. And then they've got this fear factor that if they put their hand up anywhere, that everyone's going to try and flog them a product. But nothing could be further from the truth. You talk about, and I've heard you do it with such passion, and that is everyone who's got a game, everyone who wants to prepare for the future needs to build a team around them that they trust. So one of those things is you've got to have your money man. Then you've got to have a good accountant. Then you've got to have a good property person, someone you can have a discussion with without fear that someone's going to then just ram a product down your throat. Um, And a lot of people want to do something, and you and I know. So while they're scurrying around trying to get all their stuff together, that that bargain in Shepparton is now gone. It's finished. It's over. So whereas if you speak to the right people at the right time, let's do it now. Let's work out what you can and can't do. Don't be disillusioned. I, um, again, and I I hate to keep citing this, but you mentioned before I lived in Ballarat. My first house in Ballarat I paid $28,000 for. Okay. Now they added, but I had a brilliant house and I had a great lifestyle up there. But... The thing to remember is 
Um, just because I'm about to say, John, you and Betty cannot afford $600,000 to buy a 52-square-metre bedsit in an apartment at Docklands doesn't mean you cannot do something. And in actual fact, by me giving you that advice, I might actually be saving you. I feel very sorry for all those investors who five years ago thought those types of opportunities were the bee's knees, where you and I, even five years ago, were shaking our heads going, what are they doing? What are they doing? They're believing all the hype. Um, and so sometimes if I say to you, look, you're only in a position to go to $250,000, but you can still get in the game, that's the most important thing. And, and just remember this. If the advice is let's go to let's go to Ararat, let's go to Taralgan, let's go to Shepparton. Remember, the consumer is not living there. They don't have to live there. They it, just look at the numbers. Look at the numbers, and that's what a mortgage manager will do as well. Is is we'll work with you to look at the numbers because it's no use us having uh, you invest in something that's going to be a bomb. And well, unfortunately... Nobody better look, Roscoe. Yeah, and look, I don't, again, I, I don't want to speak ill. I mean, I've been a broker for years. But if a client says to a broker, I want to buy an investment property, the broker immediately goes into, oh, my God, I can write a loan here mode and goes and writes a loan. Now, the property they might be buying seriously might not be suitable at all. Now, we operate under a code called responsible lending. But if the consumer comes to me and goes, I want to buy in XYZ suburb, and I shake my head and go, what the hell are you doing? I should be telling them that. But most brokers will not be transparent because they just want to write a loan because they just want to earn money. Whereas a good Building the team, as you said, that that person is going to help you make an informed decision based on the facts, not emotion. There is no there is no home for emotion. If you're buying your own home to live in, by all means, buy with emotion. But if you're buying anything from an investment point of view, it's got to be based on the facts, and the facts have got to work. The numbers have got to work and all members of your team that you build around you must be in agreement. That's it. It's pretty simple. I think you've summed it up just quite beautifully. <laughs> Stole my thunder. I, look, I get a bit emotional about it because I have seen a lot of people in my time make some terrible mistakes, especially when I go back three or four years ago and all those people jumped on the bandwagon thinking I'm going to fix my loan at 5.99 because it can't get any cheaper. And I used to go, why are you fixing? You're removing all flexibility in what you're trying to do. Now, people say to me, now should I fix? I'm going, well. But then I heard on the radio coming to work this morning, Phil, that um, uh, they're predicting that next Tuesday the the RBA will drop interest rates. Yep, I heard the same. Approximately 10 to 15 basis points. Yep. Question will be, will the banks in a, be in a position to pass it on? 
Yeah, that's going to be the $60 million question. That's right, Roscoe. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, right now, when you make intelligent investment decisions, that's another reason I love regional, apart from this great growth, which I still find that people often challenge me on that and I just produce facts. But right now with these rates so, so, so low, people can afford to get involved in buying regional because they're going to be cash positive. And the rates are not going to go up for a number of years. Rents will rise. So the gap, and in fact, they'll become more and more cash positive. So it'll make it more attractive. And what would you do with that extra surplus cash, Roscoe? You'd put it in your Pay it off. Well, yeah, like there's um, three lots of debt. There's bad debt, which is motor cars and items that depreciate. You know, borrowing money for stereos and 75-inch colour televisions, to me that's bad debt, right? However, I'm not, anyone who does that, I don't mind. Um, Then there's what they call necessary debt, which is the family home. And then there's good debt, which is debt that is going to end up making you money. Okay, so if you've got an investment, now one of the things is you just said then, buy an investment property in regional Victoria or regional Australia and it's cash positive. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means. What it means is I can remember when I was distributing investment strategies 15 years ago, I was asking people, can you afford to invest $100 a week in your future? Now, the ridiculous thing is I'm now talking to customers going, by buying this investment property, you will actually make $50 or $100 a week. And then people look at you and go, well, how can that be? (laughs) But numbers don't lie. Um, So that surplus $100 should now, in my opinion, should now be paid off the necessary debt. So we should be working to reduce the debt on the family home. Yeah, it's non-deductible. Non-deductible. There is no, and, and, and the other thing is make, when you're sitting down with a pen and paper and you're talking to your beloved wife, you should be looking at all your debt as a collective and your asset as a collective and then realising that if you're paying $10,000 a year off your family home rather than $10,000 a year off your investment loan, that's still good practice. In fact, it's brilliant practice because the 10000 you couldn't pay off your, your investment debt, that interest is at least tax deductible, whereas the interest on your family home is not. Well said, um, relatively, relatively simple, but a lot of people get confused in everything. Yeah. Um, they just need to take the time. So you and I have seen it. Someone will ring us on a Monday and go, I bought a property on the weekend and I need a finance approval by Friday. And we go, <laughs> we haven't got time to do the proper research or make sure. They don't care. They go, just get me a loan. And then that loan is stays with them for years because then they get lazy and don't want to do anything about it. I've got clients that I talk to and they're paying 36 3.7%. And I go, why haven't you? And they go, oh, it's all too hard. And I go, even if I save you one or one and a quarter percent, I could be saving you five, six, seven thousand dollars a year in repayment. Imagine if I said it and just sign this letter here and you I'm gonna give you a seven thousand dollar a year pay rise, everyone would sign it. 
Absolutely. He's a cheap But for sport. some unknown reason, the consumer thinks it's all too hard and it'll be right. I'll just roll along. Don't need to worry. And well, banks speak- love that. Banks love the fact that people are not interested in getting a better deal. It, it is one of the great mysteries of the world. Uh, Roscoe, speaking of confusion, let's get the audience <laughs> really confused and let's talk about the big. So this Ooh. is this little thing, this new little ripper coming into effect, the best interest. Yep. Now, that comes okay. into effect, as I understand, the 1st of January next year. Yep. And fair to say, I reckon 99.9% of the consumers out there have no idea what it means. So None what I'd love you to do, please, Roscoe, is unpack for brokers and for consumers what this means and what you feel it means for the consumer. Well, those of um, in the past, a broker has had to provide a consumer <coughs> a range of products that they believe best suit the client's requirements. And they've been able to assess that by doing what we call a fact find. So most people, when they are talking to a broker or a, a loan rot planner, um, they have to go through a fact find. They get asked a series of questions. Um, and they get asked what their goals, dreams and aspirations are and where they see themselves. Um, Now, what's happening as of January 1 is that same broker now has to do a full analysis of all the products available on the market and then present the equivalent of, if you go to a financial planner, a planner has to do what's called an SOA, which is a statement of advice. So that loan writer now has to do a full statement of advice. And they have to do the research. And I've got uh, brokers that are trial, I've got broker friends that are trialling at the moment. And it adds around 55 plus pages of work, which equates back to around three to four hours worth of extra work. And it's unpaid work. So, so it won't be long before the poor consumer is going to have to pay for that time. And I would have thought the poor consumer is going to be pretty jacked off having to waste all that time. Like, why are you asking me these questions? And Correct. What the customer already is very clear in where they want to take their funding or what they want, yep. but they've still got to jump the hoops. Correct. We put through their paces because of some bureaucrat made some ridiculous decision. I'm all about protecting the consumer. I've got no issue with that. And But at the same time, there's really, I reckon, a lack of common sense in this. How are we going to test this, Roscoe? How will this get tested? Well, the banks will have a run they've never had before because a person who works in a bank selling bank product only, there is no BID or what they call best interest duty. The reason being is that bank employee is only selling his own products. So therefore, he doesn't have any other products to compare. So consequently, when a consumer walks into a bank in Main Street suburbia, the products that they are offered will only be their own product. So, and then people, I know people, the consumer is going to like the fact that they can have 
one visit and be given the advice they want and write the loan and go away without fully being aware of that actually is the right product or there are better products available in the marketplace. And, and again, a lot of, and we talk from a legal point of view, and I'm not a qualified lawyer, but when legislation is created, it is interpreted by all those that it appears to affect. But that interpretation is not considered factual law until somebody somewhere is taken to court and a precedent is then established. So right now, here we are about to enter November and technically in two months we now have to operate under this new legislation. Yet I talk to banks, I'm talking to other aggregator platforms, everyone has a different opinion, which is very, very worrying to me that definitively no one can sit down and go, these are the facts. And I know of people who've sat through the the two regulatory bodies, MFAA and FBAA, they've sat through the BID training sessions and each of them have gleaned totally different things. So even the two regulators are not 110% collectively together on the same page as how to interpret. So you can imagine the poor consumer, um, yeah, it, look, it's just interesting times. Therefore, we've got to adapt or die. Adapt so, or again, again, that is why groups like RAMS, for example, have removed brokerage from their platform. Uh, someone who walks into a mortgage manager, if you come and visit me at Tradies Finance next year, I only have the Tradies Finance suite of products to sell, so I'm not governed by BID. So I can talk to a consumer and build a product based on his needs, not on some individual regulator who tells me that I've got to make that person jump through all these hoops just to give them the product that they actually need. So when I talk to a consumer, by the time that meeting's finished, both of us really know what they want to do. My job then is to go and find the right product. But imagine if I've then got to go and shop that object, that that client's objective through 50 or 60 lenders. Think, how much time and effort it's going to take. Consumers want some level of instant gratification. They want to know, can I or can't I? Absolutely. Will they I or won't I? They just want to know. Yeah, they want to know. And, and I think the, the loser in this is the broker, quite frankly, because they are being the, asked to the do broker, more. Yeah. Again, Yet again, yet again, more work for less money. Correct. And what does that mean? More stress because they're under more pressure? Yep. It, 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 again, it just beggars belief. It's, again, bureaucratic incompetence it rings off to me. But that for you is an opportunity, Roscoe, of the value of a mortgage manager. People Correct. know, will I get the money, yes or no? Yep. And I don't want to have to jump hoops. Look, um the world's greatest treasurer has come out saying that he's a little bit disillusioned with the ramifications of responsible lending. Um, and for the our, our consumers out there, our customers out there, what responsible lending has, all that's meant is that if you tell the broker what your expenses are, 
the, new, the responsible lending legislation has actually said to the broker, your customer might be lying. So you need to go and do all this other stuff. Then you've got the, and and you and I have had this chat off, off record on many times. So if you've got a young couple wanting to buy their first home and they spend 400 bucks a month on Uber Eats and they've got Foxtel and Netflix and Amazon, we know that's a discretionary spend. Tomorrow when they move into their home that they're going to now start the next phase of life, they can stop all of that. But responsible lending regulations and the banks and all these places go, well, what if he doesn't stop getting Uber Eats? So we're factoring that into his affordability calculator, which is telling a lot of people, well, we don't believe you when you say you're you're actually going to go to the Paran market and buy fresh fruit and vegetables and you're going to cook at home. They're virtually saying, well, maybe you won't. (laughs) And these are the sort of things that, and the consumer doesn't realise. So somebody's come back saying, look, unfortunately, Phil, we can't get your loan approved because your bank statements and your credit card statements show that your discretionary spend um, means that the industry doesn't think you can afford to do something. I think it's a really good point because I would suggest then, Roscoe, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am on this one. So if a borrower wants to build an investment property portfolio, serviceability is going to be a real critical thing. That's what a bank's looking at. Show us your capacity to service the loan. Now, this to me sounds like this is one of the benefits of dealing with a mortgage manager because of the way you assess things, I would say, in a much more practical sense as opposed to taking the absolute worst-case scenario. So, like, let's talk about things like credit cards yep. and other loans that you've got. Can you please point listeners, Roscoe? Right. So, hand-on-heart, yep. hand-on-heart, most consumers, John and Betty Smith out there, and it's been reconfigured big time as a result of COVID. Um, you you have had to pay by card everywhere you've gone. Right? You've signed up saying credit card only, credit card only, no cash, no cash, right? So um, what that basically means is that the consumer now is has credit cards, so they're you know, and they might have, mum might have a credit card, dad's got a credit card, and then there's the credit card at the bottom of the sock drawer for when and if they ever go back to Europe, right? But they haven't used that one. So what we look at is if you've got credit card debt and at the end of every month you pay that debt off and you can clearly prove that with statements for the past three months, then we will not use that credit card in your servicing. That's massive. I mean, that is humongous. Well, it's sanity. It's sanity. Yeah. But people probably don't quite understand the impact of that because for those who don't follow that, what happens is a bank will look at the limit of your card and take a percentage. What is it typically, what, 3%? 3.8%, yeah. There you go. It's gone up since my day. So 3.8% of your gross, of your limit, they factor that in as a monthly outgoing. That's the limit, not 
you can clearly demonstrate that we only spent $1,000 last month at Safeway. Yep. So mum only uses the car when she gets the groceries, nothing else. Um, but they don't take it on the $1,000. They take it on the $10,000 limit that the card has. And what has been forced upon a lot of brokers and bankers over the years has been, oh, sorry, Phil, you're going to have to cancel all your credit cards because that's the only way you can qualify for this loan. Well, that's exactly – in fact, just while you were telling us that story, Roscoe, I just punched in, well, let's just say you've got – Couple of different cards between yourself and and the and your 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 partner. Let's say I just put in a twenty thousand dollar limit at three point eight percent. So what the bank will do is take they'll allocate a seven hundred and sixty dollar monthly outgoing on Correct. your policy. So if you're yep. wanting to build an investment portfolio, you've just been smashed in your capacity to borrow because they've just added a debt or an expense per month of $760. And let me suggest, that is massive. That's just a 20 well, grand. that can make a difference between being in the, having the ability to proceed or say, oh, well, it's not for me. Yeah. And, you know, most people hate, hate rejection. So if someone says to you, be it the bank on Main Street or the broker you've just been to see has said to you, unfortunately, you do not qualify. Most people accept that as gospel. They shelve the idea of doing anything. They batten down the hatches and they just keep doing what they've been doing. And then they go, oh, well, that's why only the rich people can afford to buy investment properties. We will never be rich, so we'll stop that idea. And people give up. They don't go and seek a second or a third opinion. And sadly, we've got, for these facts and figures have not altered in 25 years um, since I've been starting to dabble in that investment strategy. So you've got somewhere around 62% of the Australian population owns a home and 38% rent. So the myth of renters must be losers is not the case at all. Their circumstance is that rent is the only option or is the best option for them at the time. Now, when I was a kid growing up, the government assisted with public housing to help people find rent. Government ran out of money, public housing programs were wound down and then the consumer was encouraged to provide the housing for those people who needed rental accommodation and it was sold to them on the grounds of negative gearing. But fast forward to today, we still have less than 10% of the Australian population who own more than one house. So 62% or thereabouts actually own a house, yet of that 62% or 65%, only 10% of those people have got an investment property, one investment property. And that, that 10% have got to provide the housing, the rental accommodation, for 38% of the market. Now, if I'm looking at a business model, I'm excited because it's supply and demand. I am in demand. So when people say to me, and I've watched them on your podcast as well, when people have said to me, oh, I can't afford that $600,000 property in 
Docklands, I go, well, have you thought about going bush? Yeah, why would I do that? Well, there's just as many people in the country regions who need rental properties as well. Just as many. Right? The only difference is you might only have to pay $250,000 for a proper house on a proper block of land than 650000 for a 52-square-metre bed that may, if you're lucky, have a car parking space. So um, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's thinking smarter and harder. And I get people who go, oh, yeah, but why would I want to buy in Shepparton or whatever? And you've already proven it. You, you yourself personally have got properties in that northeast region of Victoria and clearly demonstrated that both properties are cash positive. Absolutely, Roscoe. And, and I have a saying in life, it may be a tad tongue-in-cheek, but you cannot go broke making a profit. Absolutely. <laughs> I often have said on this podcast before, and I used this from the mortgage-broking days, that you can't sell the lounge room when you need cash. No. All need cash. Roscoe, a couple of things about lending. Yes. Talk yep. to me about serviceability. So you, let's say, well, you go into the bank and you want the conversation around how they're going to assess your other debt. So you've got your home loan, maybe another investment property. What's the difference yep. between how they will assess it versus a mortgage manager? The, unfortunately, what oh. the banks will do is they add a buffer. So right now the buffer is somewhere, some lenders are at 5.25%. Others are as high as 5.5, and I've heard one out there that's nearly eight, but I haven't been able to confirm that prior to today's meeting. So even if your current loan is at 3%, when they're doing their assessment, they're assessing the existing debts, let's say, at 5.25%, and then they calculate what would the repayment be at 5.25%. So all of a sudden, they're, they're assuming. Now, right now, we've got a cash rate of 0.25, and that is being touted. We'll come back next week. So at, in the past, when rates have risen, they've risen at increments of 0.25. So if you're currently paying, uh, like our cheapest rate at the moment is 1.99, so if you're paying 1.99 and interest rates start rising at 0.25 and and there's only, and let's say rates rise twice a year, well, it's going to take 10 years before rates actually get to 5.25, yet they're already, being, they're already factoring in what happens if. It's like chicken little. What happens if the sky caves in? So we better charge you more than what you're really paying to assess whether you can afford it. So they're all sitting there going, well, we lent him the money because we made him jump through these hoops. But the funny thing is, Phil, that's not actually law. That, again, is interpretation. Absolutely. The industry is interpreted. And the other thing that riles me, if you do have an investment property, is some lenders will only take 80% of the rent. Well, so what now, is it, as a mortgage manager, what are you going well, to do? Well, we'll take 95% of the rent. Can you unpack that, Roscoe? What does that mean to so people well, actually if, when they take 80% well, versus 95%? So if you're, getting, if you're getting $500 a week rent, yep. some lenders will factor that into you're only getting 400 
Okay. But then, but then they're also then adding all the deductions. Plus, they're still adding in the in the interest you've got to pay. So, whereas what we will do is we'll do ninety five percent. So five percent of five hundred dollars is only twenty five bucks. So we're going to factor in the rent as four hundred and seventy five dollars, not four hundred dollars. So four hundred and seventy five dollars per week. That's an extra $75 a week. That's $300 extra a month. Add to that in that credit card you spoke of before, $700. Then add in the buffers, what that means. You could have a client whose figures are not working by 200, but all that periphery that other lenders are factoring in could be over 1200 bucks. So with us, they're going to qualify straight away. Be fair to say, Roscoe, then that would be one of the great benefits in working as an investor, not just a home loan buyer at your 1.9%, which is an incredible rate. Can't believe we're even talking about sort of number. But that to me seems to be one of the great advantages of working with a mortgage manager is your capacity. If you're motivated to want to buy multiple properties over time, you're going to the mortgage manager such as trading yep. finance, is meaning that your your dollars, your salary, your income, your serviceability will be stretched so much further. Correct. Yeah, that's massive. So in terms then of your business, Trading Finance, how do you see uh, regional as a long-term strategy? Um, look, you're going to hate me saying this. And I, I say it respectfully. Forget, and I forget the fact it's regional, right? Like people go to me, oh, you got to buy on the peninsula. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Please, everybody, if there is some particular reason why you don't like an area, fine. That's okay. Right? But it's not so much that it's regional, Phil. Forget that for a minute. It's... In Shepparton, I can buy a $260,000 property. I can achieve a 6-plus percent interest uh, uh, rental return and at the end of it, my facts and figures will show that I am actually making a profit month by month. Okay. So, um, and if you want to really compare, we'll, we'll add three Shepparton properties together compared to one property in suburban Melbourne and look at the numbers and the numbers at Shepparton work all the time. Yeah. So absolutely. I don't talk about regional. I talk more, I, I, I'm more excited about opportunities. What's the best strategy for you once we've worked with the client to remove emotion? Definitely. And I'm a great belief that that same money you could have bought in metropolitan Melbourne by tying up all your cash in one asset. Correct. You could potentially have gone and bought possibly in Shepparton, Albury, La Trobe Valley or yep. Townsville, Southwest. doesn't matter where. doesn't like matter you, where. You could be having a diversified strategy which is also defensive and a hedge around opportunities and growth markets. Yeah. But all markets slow down at different times, as you know, Roscoe. You've been in the space long enough. So yep. I think I, I love what you're saying. It makes to me a great... Yeah, just for, yeah everyone just forget... I know you keep promoting regional, so I'm not trying to dilute what you do. Phil. Not at all, no. However, it's it's a genuine structured investment strategy. And 
when I was younger growing up, I do remember saying to my dear old dad, um, what's the best way to make money in life? And he said to me, diversify. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea. But do not put all your eggs in one basket. So don't go and buy a $700,000 bloody one better in um, Docklands and expect to become independently wealthy. For a start, Roscoe, I wanted to ask you this question. It is a tricky time for a lot of people, and in terms of best navigating towards putting a good plan in place for 2021, can you give some examples of how tradies finance in your mortgage management space are leading the way with the consumers and investors to best prepare them for the, the coming year? Okay, so. First and foremost, we're looking at their current position. We then sit and have a chat about what their goals are. Now, most unfortunately, Phil, and I don't mean to be derogatory towards our uh, consumer market, but most people have no idea what they want to do. I'll say to them, are you correctly structured financially? And they'll go, no, we're not. We don't think we are. Um, and then what a lot of brokers will do then is go, oh, you need to go and talk to my financial planner, which the cash register starts clicking when that happens. Um, All I do or all our people do is we just talk to the client and go, okay, well, where would you like to be? In a perfect world, what, what does your life look like? When you retire, what does that look like? And... What what are you going to do different? Because the definition of insanity, as we all know, is doing the same thing every day, yet expecting a different result. So whatever it is you've been doing today, maybe the time to stop doing it. But um, I don't like uh, product floggers. I don't like people who charge lots and lots and lots of money to come up with a strategy. I like a, a client. The, the simplest way to get anyone to do anything is for it to be their idea. So if a client goes, you know what, I don't believe in property for investment, that's fantastic. No one's going to argue with you. It's not a matter of getting into robust debates. However, what it is then to do is go, okay, so you don't believe in property, what do you believe in? Or what is your thought? And, Phil, you and I have joked about this over the last gazillion years. But I often say to people who are in their 40s but only own one home, I say to them, where did you live when you were 15? So they'll tell me. I lived in Chadston or whatever. And I go, do you remember what mum and dad paid for the house? Now, it's strange, but everyone knows what mum and dad paid for that house when they were growing up. So they might go, well, mum and dad paid $58,000. And I go, do you know what that house is worth today? And they'll go, yeah, it's worth about 1.1. And all I do is go, that is why you invest in property. It's that simple. Because if I had spoken to that person who bought that house in Chadson for 58 grand and said to him, listen, in 30 years' time or 40 years' time, that house is going to be worth 1.1, they would have locked me up. So it's the same today. Now, you you love Ballarat. I bought my first house on an acre of land 
within one kilometre of Sturt Street, Ballarat. And I paid $28,000 for it in 1984. Unbelievable. Right? Imagine what it's worth today, Roscoe. Exactly. So yep. everything is relative. Yep. Everything. Absolutely. My parents but, bought their home in Doncaster when we moved from Sydney in 1980. It was a four-bedroom home uh, with a four-car garage and a built-in pool for $78,000. And it's worth, it's worth today? Do you have any oh, idea? No, but I'm going to guess. You probably it's... sneaked up. You probably occasionally tapped the address in your call logic, have you? <laughs> it's got to be, look, it's got to be one point something at least. Correct. Exactly. Every day of the week. And and it's really just giving yourself a pay rise every year. We're going to have to wrap up in a minute. Okay. One of the most yep. important questions I want to ask you is then how often should people be reviewing their loan or loans? Every 12 months. Yeah. And tell me why you'd say that. Because a lot happens in a 12-month period. Um, John's had a pay rise. Betty's gone full time. Um, the kids have left home. Uh, Arnie Dot died and we've got some money. People's circumstances change. So the simple way is rather than say to a client, as soon as your circumstances change, make sure you ring me, which would be the preferred. The simple thing is why don't we do a review every 12 months? Now, a client who has a professional financial planner, they have to, by law, do an annual review. Yet a client can borrow money and a lot of lenders, a lot of brokers think that's set and forget. I've done the loan, job's right, let's not chat to them anymore. Well, that's rubbish because um, whatever the loan structure I do for you today, it needs to be reviewed because it might not be the right loan structure in 12 months' time. And it's all about structuring. Forget interest rates, forget this, forget that. It's all about the structure. And the sad thing is, Phil, as, I, as we close, I've seen a lot of clients that I refinance their home loan, I got rid of their credit cards, I got rid of that personal loan, I rolled the family cars all into one little package with one monthly instalment. Three months later, I'm driving down and I drive past their house and you know what's in the driveway? A brand new car. <laughs> and I ring them up and go, what have you done? They go, we went to the dealership, we traded our car and we bought a brand new car and it's only $400 a month. So, I well, unfortunately, you just can't help everybody. But at least every 12 months, your finance person should sit down with you to make sure you have... No one's going to smack you for losing control, trading the car and buying a new one. Right? We might just go, so it was a necessary debt, was it? <laughs> you had to have it. You had to go from a sedan to a ute because of your work. or There could be a whole range of genuine reasons. But people do occasionally feel, unfortunately, fall off the perch. Were their finance person, were part of their team around them, if we can't tell them that hey, that wasn't a very wise move, who can? Yeah, now, so I understand the consumer will go, well, get stuff, Roscoe. I want to be able to live my life the way I want to live it. Well, that's okay. I'm not going to growl. I'm just going to go, well, obviously, therefore, your plan for the future might have to now be readjusted. 
Exactly. So you might not be able to retire on that much money. Yeah, no, that's a really great point yeah. to finish on. And I think that is one yeah. of the great benefits of a good mortgage manager. Now, Tradies Finance, how do people get in contact with uh, with yourself and the team? Okay, so the simple thing is you can call me and I'm happy to give my mobile number out. Um, and I do answer, I have a 24-7 uh, work ethic. So it's 0411 696 696 or it's Roscoe, no E, just R-O-S-C-O, at au, or just go to our website at www.tradiesfinance.com.au and, and leave us a message and myself or one of our team will at least have a chat. Costs you nothing to find out. Well, I think it's important because I think my favourite word always in my 18 and a half years as a broker and mortgage manager myself, Roscoe, was flexibility. And we really want people, no different to buying property, make intelligent, informed decisions. Informed decisions. With all the facts. Roscoe, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you, fabulous. Always a pleasure. Friends, uh, I would always ask you to like comment, share the uh, uh, the post uh, podcast with people. It's so much better being in Melbourne at the moment after all the challenges. It's fantastic, that, isn't it? Yeah, we've enjoyed it. <laughs> people are up and about and feeling better. And let's just hope that the numbers stay where they are and we can continue. Well, just on them. that, can I say one thing, Phil? Mate. I pray to God yes. that people do not lose their heads and think, oh, it's all over. So I saw last night on the news, unfortunately, here for us Victorians, there was people that went to shopping centres, they they threw social distancing out the window, they were strolling around without masks, um, they were standing in queues at uh, cash registers with no, no relevance to social distancing at all. Come on, guys, let's not get crazy. It isn't over. We've just been given an opportunity to prove that we have the maturity to work smarter, not harder, and I'd hate for a few dickheads, I hope we can use that word, hope that a few dickheads don't ruin it for us all and we don't end up back in lockdown again because that will really cause a lot of issues. Yeah, I think well said, that's the, end of the, that's the end of the speech. That's the end of the matter <laughs> and that's the, the end of the lesson. Folks, have a wonderful afternoon, a great weekend, and let's be socially responsible and uh, let's get 2021 set up right by getting in touch with a mortgage manager and under like Roscoe or a great broker and get your finances in place, folks, for springboard into 2021. Take care, everyone, and looking forward to bringing someone else out of the wings next week. And uh, that's all for now on the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. Take care, everyone, and bye for now.